Well, good morning again. If this is your first week or you haven't been here for a while, we are in a series called Impossible. Impossible, and we're actually following through the story of Jesus through this time as we prepare our hearts and our our lives for Easter to celebrate Easter and his resurrection. And we're looking actually at the story of Jesus through the book of John, the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth gospel. And we're not doing it just by looking at chronologically. We're actually looking at it through the miracles that Jesus performed in the gospel of John. There's seven miracles in the gospel of John that Jesus performed that John highlights. He says they're signs Now, there's 34 miracles in the Gospels total, but John highlights these seven, and he does it for a purpose, and it's our purpose to look at these miracles during this Easter season, is this reason. John tells us at the end of John 20, he says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by, le- by believing, you may have life in his name. And folks, this is what my hope is for all of you, if you're here during this series, is that not only will you know that Jesus is the Christ, and that by believing in him, and by surrendering to him as Lord of your life, you will have eternal life. But not only that, but that as following Jesus and walking in the ways of Jesus, that you will truly have life in his name. That's my hope for you. And so as we've gone through this series, we're looking at these seven impossible miracles that are made possible because Jesus is the Son of God. And we're reminding each other each and every week that when we follow Jesus, we don't just seek the miracles. We seek Jesus. We seek him with all our heart. We seek him with all our life. And we know that if we seek him, that miracles may happen. Life change will happen. Transformation will happen. And God will do amazing things in your hearts and in this place if we seek him. And I'm encouraging you each and every week to seek him with all of your heart as we go through this series, Impossible. As we get started this morning, though, I just ask if one more time we could pray together. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, I would just ask that during this time together this morning that you would put away the distractions and that as we enter into a time where we've, we've ended in singing and we've called out to you and we've lifted our hearts to you that now as we gather now under your word and Lord, as you share through me what you've prepared in my heart to share, that the, that the message that you've given me wouldn't fall on ears that are closed and hearts that are closed, but that we would truly receive this and that this wouldn't be just some information transfer, but this would be truly your word transforming hearts and lives so we would leave here different today. Lord, I need your help in doing that. I can't do this. It's through your spirit. So Lord, wake us up. Wake the church up. Wake wake each and every one of us up. Maybe we're tired. Maybe we're just tired in spirit. Lord, wake us up. Lord, this, this country, this, this world, it needs to be restored to a vision of what it means to follow you. Some people like to say that we, we, need, to have a, we need to have a revival in this country. Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be poured out on this place and that it would start with us that are gathered here. We love you, Lord. We're expecting you to do work this morning in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of my favorite pictures that I've ever taken of my kids is right here. 
Isn't that great? Yeah, I'm not even a good photographer. But uh, I know I talk about them a lot, I just love them. But uh, I look at this picture, and uh, there's our girls at the end of our driveway. Uh, our driveway right there has a puddle that forms every time it rains, which we found out very quickly and multiple times over this last nine months that we've lived here because it only rains in Lebanon. I don't understand. But anyway, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, but it's, it's so awesome to look at them and, and to see the, the pure joy, right, in their faces. But I look at that, and I'm also kind of sad. And let me tell you why. I know it, I look at it, and I'm sad because I know that this stage is going to end. That's why. I know that eventually they're not going to be kids anymore, that when it rains and the puddles out there, they go upstairs and put on their bathing suits and run to the end of the driveway to jump in the rain, right? I know that's going to end. Eventually, they're going to be middle schoolers. And when they're in middle school, they may do it if there's like a little kid that wants to do it, right? But it's not going to be the same joy. It's going to be kind of like doing it because the little kid wants to do it with them. And they're probably going to be moving towards being too cool for it, you know? And then they're going to get in high school. And the idea of putting a swimming suit on and going to the end of the, to the driveway where everyone can see them is going to be ridiculous, Right? They're not going to do it. In fact, the only time they'll ever step in this puddle is if their friend drops them off during the rain and they get out of the car and the friend didn't pull far enough in the driveway and they step in the puddle and they're angry about it. Like, that's what they're going to do in high school, right? And then eventually, Lord willing, if we're still living there, when they're older and when they're adults, they're never even going to think about stepping in that puddle because that's going to be something only kids do. That's going to be something like their mom and I look out and we watch them do it and we, we see them doing it and we think it's cool and we, we have joy from their joy, but it's something only kids do. That's what's going to happen with my kids. But here's the other thing I've thought about as I looked at this picture this week. This is a really good picture, unfortunately, in my heart for faith that I see sometimes in Christians. Because I see new believers I see people when they first discover Jesus, right? And they're on fire for him. They're on fire for him. They have no problem in metaphorical terms putting on a bathing suit and running out and jumping in the puddle. They're going to go wherever Jesus calls them to go. They're going to share their faith with everybody to the point where sometimes the adult believers, those of us that have been doing this for a while, look at them and think, my goodness, yeah, they're only a kid. Eventually they'll grow up and they'll realize you don't go around talking about Jesus to everybody, right? Because eventually sometimes people go through a faith where after they're new believers, they become middle school believers, Right? And they only share their faith if there's somebody else, a baby believer, that's actually on fire for Jesus around them. And then they become high school believers where, you know what, it's not cool to share my faith with anybody. I'm just going to keep it to myself. What works for me works for me. What works for them works for them. And then some of us, we've been on this faith journey for so long that we've become spectators rather than participants. And what I think we're going to learn today as we look in this next week of impossible. What I believe God wants to say through this miracle, this impossible, impossible miracle, made only possible by the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, is that somewhere along the line, we stopped getting our feet wet, and we need to learn or relearn a different way. So this morning, we're going to be looking at yet another sign. 
John chapter 6, 16 to 21. John chapter 6, 16 to 21. I invite you to turn there with me this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there's a table back there. And when you walk in on a Sunday morning, grab a Bible so you can follow along. And if you don't have a Bible, take it with you as our gift to you. Because we want you to be in the Word. I believe the more that you're in the Word, the more the Word gets into you. And it will change your life. And so you can turn to John 6, 16 to 21. We're going to look at another part of this, this story today in Matthew, and that'll be up on the screen. Matthew 14 is where you can find that if you want to put a bookmark in there, Matthew 14, because uh, Matthew's the only place in Scripture where the walking on the water, which is what we're going to talk about today, actually has Peter's story. And so we're going to look at that today too. But Matt, John 6, 16 to 21. This is what John tells us. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. Now we're picking up where we left off last week. So the disciples had just fed the 5,000 or 10,000 or 15,000, depending on how many people were there. They just did that. And so they went down and they got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. Darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not come to them. They did this in the darkness, it was in the evening, and what I believe we're going to see here is if you don't remember this part, Jesus, after he performed that miracle, that sign of feeding the 5,000, people wanted to make him king, so he pulled away. So I think this, it's important for us to see that this miracle was going to happen in darkness. Jesus does this miracle by the moonlight because he didn't want to be in the spotlight. You with me? We go on, and it says, as they're going across, the high wind arose, and the sea began to churn. Now, Matthew tells us something different about this. He says, meanwhile, as the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. So you get this picture of them rowing this boat across the Sea of Galilee, and the storm camp comes up, and the waves start battering it left and right. And it's interesting because the Sea of Galilee... I'm not sure if you know this, but because of where it's located, it's lower in elevation than a lot of bodies of water. And so an amazing thing about the Sea of Galilee is that uh, storms can come up like that, like in a hurry. If anybody's ever been to the Holy Lands and you've been on the Sea of Galilee, you know it can happen. When I was there with my father, uh, when I was a teenager, we were on a Sea of Galilee trip, and out of nowhere, it went from a beautiful sunny day to the dark stormy clouds, and the boats rocking back and forth, and I remember we all just huddled in the middle of a boat, and we're singing hymns, because we were just thinking, well, if we're going to die, like, dying in the middle of the Sea of Galilee is actually not a bad place to do that, I, you know what I mean? It's to be honest, but, but, it, but because of its elevation, the warm air settles over it, and storms can come up out of nowhere. In 1992, the storm was so bad that it, the Sea of Galilee, which isn't a big sea, okay, it's only seven and a half miles by, uh, seven and a half miles wide by, um, I forget how big, how, uh, 17 miles long, so it's not this really big sea, but it, 10 foot waves come up out of nowhere, and uh, in 1992, the city of Tiberias, which sits on the shore of the sea, actually had 10 foot waves crashing against it, and, and uh, things were damaged from it, so it's important for us to see as we think about this miracle, right, the storms coming up, it's not, we, sometimes when we think, or even when we see pictures of Jesus walking on the water, we're thinking like this beautiful, pristine water, you know, it's kind of like an ice skating rink, except it's, you know, real water, and no, Jesus is waltzing on waves, possibly even 10-foot high waves as he's going out to them. And so we're going to continue to look at this story here. So after they rowed about three or four miles in, so I just said to you that, you know, Sea of Galilee is seven and a half miles wide. So they're halfway, they're right in the middle of the body of water. They see Jesus walking on the sea. Now, isn't that cool? 
Now, if you've been a Christian a long time, you're like, yeah, I've heard this story hundreds of times. Think about that. They saw Jesus walking on the sea. You know, if he was walking, even at an average pace of like three, and a half, or three miles per hour, that means that this miracle, if they're three and a half, four miles in, was like a 70-minute miracle of him walking on the water toward them. Now, it's impossible. It's impossible to walk on water. I found out this week, though, that if you're a human being can run on water, if they can run 67 miles per hour. <laughs> yeah, but I also found out this week that Usain Bolt, only, the fastest human that ever lived, only ran, runs about 27.79 miles per hour. So there is pretty, pretty much no chance that any of us can walk on water except it's under the power of God. But Jesus is there walking on water. And Matthew tells us that when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now, this is important for us to recognize this morning because sometimes when God's doing impossible things, we miss it or we don't understand it or it looks confusing to us or it scares our pants off because we've never had a context where we've seen anything like that before. I'm telling you this morning that when God is moving, when God is doing something impossible, sometimes it scares us. Sometimes we misunderstand what he's doing because we have no prior context for that. I mean, up to this point, when people talked about water, when you walked, on the wa- when you walked into the water, you walked into the water. You didn't walk across the water. Nobody had ever done that before. The disciples have never heard of that before. There was no songs about it, Right? It was just, nobody did that. So when they see this, they think, well, it's a ghost. They don't even realize it's Jesus. And so they call out to him, and and Jesus says, immediately he spoke to them, and he says, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You see, the disciples are in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the water. They're being beaten by the waves, and they see something they can't understand. And how does Jesus respond? He tells them, it's me. This phrase right here could be translated in, from the Greek to the English, I am. I am. The same thing that God said to Moses in the burning bush. The same thing that God uses as his personal name to tell us who he is. They see this person, this ghost, whatever it is, walk across the water. Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am. And Peter, oh, I love Peter. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, he calls out to him. He says, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. Listen, folks. If you're in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night, halfway through the middle of the sea, and you're going to step out of a boat onto water, you better make sure Jesus said, come. (laughs) That's a free piece of advice for you this morning. (laughs) But here's the other thing. If you're in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the largest storm of your life, and you're about to step out of the boat, and Jesus says, come, you better do it. You better do it. So climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water. We, fo- we focus so much on what's gonna come next. Let's just think about that. Think about the other 11, right? 
Like, I'm serious. Like, think about this. You're with 11 of your friends, and you're not sure if that thing yet, you know, we, you're pretty sure it's Jesus, but still, it's Jesus, right? It's, you know, it's, it's not Peter. 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 Everybody's pretty sure, if you know anything about Peter, everybody's pretty sure by this part that, that Peter's not God, right? In fact, they pretty much know Peter's a knucklehead. And so Peter's like, I'm going to come out on the water, and they start getting out. Could you imagine the other 11? But could you imagine being Peter? I mean, think about this, putting your foot out of the boat for the first time, and you step on the water, and your foot doesn't go down. And so he starts walking on the water, and he starts going toward Jesus. But verse 30 tells us, but when he, that's Peter, saw the strength of the wind, when he saw the storm, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I think I would too. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught a hold of him and said to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? It's interesting, this word doubt could be translated a few ways. One of the ways it could be is God saying to Peter, why did you have inadequate belief? Not necessarily he didn't have, it's not that he didn't have any belief, it's just it was inadequate for the situation. The storms, the reality of what was happening around him overtook the reality of who was standing in front of him. And he actually fell down. Another way you could, you could, you could uh, translate doubt is why were you double-minded? Why were you double-minded? In other words, Jesus is saying to Peter, why did you not have a single thought in your mind that your Lord is right here? You let the waves, you let the storms, you let the other things happening around you overtake the reality that in my eyes, eye to eye, you and me together out here on the water, you can walk on water. You can do the impossible. And so Jesus pulls them out. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those on the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. John tells us, if you still have John open, that the second they got in the boat, it's almost like a second miracle. Because remember, they were halfway through, the, through, halfway through the sea. When they got into the boat, immediately they were on the other side of the shore. Immediately, we're here. Just another little second, like a freebie, impossible miracle in the middle of our story this morning. But here's the thing that I think we can learn from this, because this is what we're trying to do each and every week, right? We're trying to look at these impossible miracles made possible by the power of God. And we're trying to ask the question, okay, if these miracles are to give us life, not only give us faith, but also give us life, how do we apply these to our lives? How do we actually connect this to our day? How does this talk to this morning actually affect how you're going to live tomorrow? Well, I, like I said to you before and earlier, I think at some point in our lives, as those of us and people of faith, at some point, we stop getting our feet wet. And I believe what we see this morning is that walking by faith means getting wet feet. Walking by faith means getting wet feet. That we have to get wet feet. If we're going to do this walk of faith, if we're going to walk each day with Jesus, if we're going to see him do impossible things made possible by his power, we've got to get our feet wet. And there's a couple reasons I think this is why. The first thing is this. I think getting your feet wet is the one way you grow. Listen, walking on the water, especially when you think about Peter walking on the water, walking on the water is something that could only be done in the power of God with his power at work in your life. 
And you, you and I, each and every one of us, if we're Jesus followers, we need to learn to do things that take him and him only working through us, giving us the power to do it. It's the perfect picture of relying completely on him no matter what. But here's the thing, folks. It's always going to be a choice. Each of these steps, walking on water, getting your feet wet, when God wants to call you to grow, it's going to be a choice. And your choice is going to be between comfort and safety of the boat and stepping out on the water and not sure, taking the risk to see if you really sink. And this is the reason this is hard. The one reason it's so hard to grow in our faith and actually take that risk is because we kind of like staying in the boat. Here's the thing I've learned as a pastor, as a police officer, as a human being, that even if the boat, even if the, the safety and security of the boat is a cycle of brokenness where we know what, we ber- what we're doing isn't working, when we know the things that we're doing each and every day, when we know that the comfort and security that we're not actually stepping out, getting our feet wet for Jesus, when we know that's not working, somehow, some way, maybe I'm the only one, we're more comfortable in that than we are actually thinking about taking a risk and stepping out of the boat. We get more comfortable in our brokenness, and, it, and we don't grow from it. And here's the thing, just, just to add this for free as well this morning, churches can be boats too. Yeah, we can. We as a church are growing, but I'm praying each and every day that God increases our capacity to reach people for Jesus. But if we're not careful, we can allow what we like about our church to be safe, to be secure, we can focus, we can shift our focus on, on the buildings or on, on money or on the traditions, the way that we've known it, except, you know, it's crazy. Some churches, they say, that's the way we've always done it. And it worked. I don't think, we don't say that here. Just for you, if you're a guest, that doesn't happen in this church. But other churches, they get that problem of saying, you know, the way we've always done it worked. And we get stuck in that. And we believe that becomes our boat. And we forget to take risks, to step out. We forget to put, we put too much trust on what we know is safe instead of putting trust in the risk that it's going to take for us to reach people for Jesus. And the only way you grow is if you get your feet wet. But we like to stay in our boats, don't we? We do. We don't like anyone rocking our boats, do we? No, we don't. But sometimes the Lord is going to send a storm. He is. And sometimes that storm's going to cause us to call out and say, God, is that you? Are you calling me to you? And he's going to say, come. And the only worry we're going to grow is if we take a step out of the boat and follow his beckoning. But here's the thing we got to know about this, is that getting your feet wet, wet feet, doesn't mean clear skies. It doesn't. Wet feet doesn't get, mean clear skies. Now think about what Jesus did. <laughs> think about what Jesus did here. Okay, the disciples were part of the, part of the whole plan up to this. So they, they rode across the Sea of Galilee, if you've been with us the last few weeks, and they climbed a mountain And then Jesus employed them in serving possibly up to 20,000 people with a meal. And then they went down the mountain and Jesus said, oh, by the way, I want you to pull an all-nighter and row again across the water, right? So they're probably exhausted at this point. And then we know on top of that, that God, that as they're rowing across, that they're beaten by the waves. 
that they're exhausted, they're beaten by the waves. It's the middle of the night, it's the middle of a storm, and in that moment when they're at their weakest, when they're at the end of their minds, at the end of their strength, at the end of their ability to cope anymore, that is when God shows up. Folks, I'm here to tell you this morning that if we wanna follow Jesus, if we wanna get our feet wet, if we wanna take risks to see God doing things in our life, guess what, sometimes it's gonna happen when we're at the end of our rope. And sometimes we're gonna be at the end of our rope because we're following Jesus' orders. And yet in that place, and we're doing what he's asked us to do, he's still asking us to seek him more because seeking him and following after him doesn't mean it's gonna be clear skies. Look at this, it says, after they were rowed three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking in the sea, right in the middle of it. Matthew tells us they were battered by the waves. They had a long day, and they were in a losing battle, and that's when God asked them to take a step of faith. And here's the thing, we're gonna have to do that. We're gonna have to take a step of faith. We're gonna have to take a step out of that boat, and we may just sink. Here's, here's what drives me crazy sometimes about this story, is that we sometimes paint Peter as a failure. You see, I, I, it's a good message. I, I like the message. I preach the message. Sometimes it says, you know, you, if you take your eyes off Jesus, right, you're going to sink. But here's the thing that I want us to focus on today, that if we want to get our feet wet, if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to see God do the impossible in our lives, we have to be like Peter, because you know what? The other 11 guys didn't get out of the boat, Jesus was willing to call out to him. He was willing to say, is that you, Lord? In fact, if that's you, Lord, I don't care about the safety of this boat in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm, at the end of my rope, because if that's where you are, that's where I want to be. So call me, and I'm going to go. And you know what? I think God honors the fact that sometimes if we answer where he's calling us and we lose sight of him in the midst of it and we're afraid, we learn something else about Jesus. He's gonna reach out and pull us back up when we call out and say, save me. But at least we got out of the boat. And at least we grew in our faith. And as we grew in our faith, something happened to us. Peter, the guy who did this, the P- Peter, the guy who failed, is the same Peter who preached a message on Pentecost Sunday and saved 3,000 souls. And you know why he did that? Because he was the only one that got out of the boat. He's the only one that took a risk. He's the only one whose faith grew. He was the one who said, I've been in storms. And we know from church history that he was hung upside down on a cross. And he didn't want to be hung up right side up because he didn't want to be like Jesus. But he died for his Savior. And I believe it started because he was wild enough to take a step of faith and say, I don't care about my safety and security. The only thing I care about is getting my feet wet. Because where my Savior is, that's where I want to be. Folks, if we, want to, if we want to see God do the impossible, we've got to do that. And I think the invitation for all of us is the fact that Jesus is on the water. We see that in our story. Jesus is on the water, and getting our feet wet gets us closer to Jesus. And this is an invitation. This isn't a challenge for you this morning. Folks, do you know that Jesus is somewhere in your life right now? Maybe he's, maybe he's in... In, in a story, in your story, and he's calling you to move to a different place. He's calling you to a deeper level of faith with him. He's calling you to step away from sin that you've been, you've been chasing after. He's calling you to stop being so safe and secure from making your home a fortress of solitude 
and actually stepping out for him. And Jesus is the one that's out of the water. And Jesus is inviting us in this story. He's inviting us to get our feet wet to see him do impossible things in our lives, in our community, in our church by getting out of the boat and following him. And you know what? There's a lot of reasons to take risks in this world, but I'm gonna tell you as your pastor this morning that if Jesus says come and it means that I get to walk closer to him, that's the only reason I need. Because knowing him better is what I wanna know. The disciples had no idea who Jesus was. And Peter did something interesting. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, call me. Is maybe God saying to you this morning, I'm calling you out of safety. I'm calling you out of security. I'm calling you into a deeper faith. I'm calling you to get your feet wet. And what you need to do this morning, what you need to do after you leave here today is to call out to him and say, God, if that's you, call me. And if it's him calling you to take that step, I believe, I'm foolish enough to believe this word is true, that our Lord will say, come. And if he says, come, you better get out of the boat and get your feet wet. He invited each and every one of them by saying, do not fear, it is I, to put away their fear and trade it in for courage. And each step of faith towards him It's a step of faith, it's a step of courage, it's a step of putting fear behind us, and it's a step of knowing him deeper. Folks, he's on the water. Somewhere in your life, Jesus is on the water outside of where you are today, and he's calling you to go there. No, he's inviting you to go there. And I wanna be where Jesus is. Don't you wanna be where Jesus is? And if we don't do this, If we don't do this, we become adults that refuse to play in the puddles. We become Christians that are too pious and and, and too entrenched in knowing all this stuff about God and actually not doing anything with it. And before we know it, we don't have wet feet and our life with God gets stagnant and boring. It becomes more about doctrine, more about, more about rules and morals than it is about actually following in the footsteps of Jesus to the places that he's leading. This is gonna be a little harsh, but I say it with all the love in my heart, and I say it to me this morning, just so you know. If you've been a Christian for a while, and there's not something that you can identify in your heart or in your head right now that you're doing or you're stepping out in faith to do, that you couldn't possibly do without the power of God, then maybe you've stopped getting your feet wet. Because the life of following Jesus is a life of absolute dependence on him. And if everything you're doing in your faith is something you could do without him, I'd question if we're really following him. Jesus is inviting you into something deeper this morning. He's inviting me into something deeper. He's inviting us. Folks, I truly believe that as a church, God has more for us. I truly believe that God wants us to go deeper. I truly believe that God wants us to go further. I truly believe that there are people in our surrounding community that will not know Jesus unless we take a step out of the boat and get our feet wet. But it's going to require us 
It's going to require us to stop being comfortable. It's going to require us to be wanting to grow, not in knowledge, but in faith. It's going to require us to see that Jesus is at the place where he's calling us, and he's already out there. He's already on the water, and he's saying, hello over there. It's I. I'm here. Come. And he needs us to say, you know what? You're right. My faith has become in a cycle of just doing the same thing. I go to church and I punch the church card. I go to Bible study and I punch the Bible study card. I go to small group and I punch the small group card. I open my Bible for devotions and I punch the devotions card. And Jesus is saying, guess what? There's more. Come get wet feet. Come get depending on me. Come walk on the water. As we just sang, spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water wherever you will call me. Lead me deeper than my faith could ever wonder. Folks, that's a prayer that's scary. If you take that line that we just sang and actually pray that each and every day, that's a scary prayer. But guess what? If you say that, I promise you, Jesus is already on that water saying, come. And he has impossible things to do in people's lives that he wants you to be part of. We should be excited about that. We as a church should say, what, there's more? Yes, there's more. What, the joy that I have in Christ could be more? Yes, it could be. What, the number of people we see come to faith, the number of people we see baptized, the way that my discipleship, my walking in the way of Jesus could be more, could be fuller, I could know him better, I could know him more than I've ever known anyone in my life, and I'm not even close to where he wants me to be in this life yet? My life that he's promised could be more? Yes, it could be. (coughs) But it's gotta take a step of faith. I'm getting all excited here. Walking by faith means getting wet feet. It means getting our feet wet. And here's the thing. For some of us, if we think about the change that it's going to take to do this, it's going to be hard. It is. I mean, maybe you're thinking right now, you don't understand my boss, Pastor, the amount of work that he puts on me, I don't even have time for my family and my kids. And things are going to have to radically change in my life in order to do this, to walk the faith like this. And some of us are thinking, you know what, Pastor, the sins in my life, the habits that I've formed that are actually cycles of brokenness. And I know they're cycles of brokenness. In fact, each and every day I promise God I'm not going to do them anymore. And then by five o'clock, I feel guilty and terrible about myself. But you know what? Even then, pastor, I'm more comfortable doing that than I would be stepping out in risk. That's going to be hard. That's going to take trust. That's going to take faith. In order to live and follow Jesus this way, it's going to mean laying aside our own life and following him. And I think he said something about that a few times. But he's got so much more for us as a church. And we're going to have to be required to say, Lord, I am giving up my way for yours. Lord, I am calling out to you each and every day, and I'm asking you to say if it is you there. And I am looking for where you're on the water in my life, and I'm saying, Lord, is that where you want me to go? And I'm listening for him to say, come. 
and then willingness to take the risk of stepping out and following him, knowing that he's there, knowing that it means being closer to him, knowing that it means that you're going to do impossible things. You're going to look down on a water in the middle of a storm, and you're going to be walking, not because of you, but because of him, and you've learned how to have absolute dependence on his power and his strength in your life. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're not sure you believe any of this. You're here for somebody promised you free coffee and a donut, right? And right now, something inside of you is saying, the way I've been doing things isn't working. And maybe, just maybe, there is this guy named Jesus, and maybe he really was the son of God, and he walked on water. And right now, you're thinking to yourself, I'm not sure then I would tell you that Jesus' invitation to you this morning is just to call out to him like Peter and say, Lord, is it you? Because I believe that he wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your life. And he has so much more for you to experience. John tells us he has life for you. Folks, walking on the water isn't easy, but our inaction Becoming spectators as people play in the puddles is an action. And it's not the action of one who follows Jesus. Because following Jesus means getting wet feet. And I'm asking you, church, to join me in splashing. I am. Because I think God has so much more for us. And I'm ready to get out of the boat. Are you? You ready to live this? Not everybody at one time now. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the story of of Jesus walking on the water, doing the impossible. Father, I thank you for Peter because he gives me somebody to look up to because I can feel a lot more like him sometimes. Lord, I thank you that every step of faith is also a step towards you. That you're out there already ahead of us, beckoning us to come, to come and and walk and and grow deeper and, and grow into a fuller life with you. And Lord, that's a great invitation despite the risks, despite the change. Lord, I'm thankful that you want to do impossible things through your church here at Palmyra Grace and make things possible for us to show us what life really, true life really is like and allow us to have the joy of taking part in your mission to reach souls, reach lost people with the good news of Jesus Christ so we can tell them that if they believe in him, if they surrender to him, if they come to know him as friend and as Lord, that they'll not only have life in this world, but eternal life with us and with him forever and ever. And that the storms of this life, when we're battered by the waves, when we're at the end of our rope, that even then, the impossible can become possible when you follow Jesus. Lord, let us be a church that gets their feet wet. Let us be a church that gets out of the boat. Take us deeper than our faith could ever imagine as we call upon your name 
and listen for you to say, come. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand with us as we sing. Close, close with us all. You stood before creation, eternity in your hand. You spoke the earth into motion, my soul now to stand. You stood before my failure. Carried the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul now to stand. So, what can I say? What can I do? offer this heart oh God completely to you so I walk upon salvation your spirit alive in me my life to
with heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all i'll stand my soul lord to you surrender